Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to personally invite you to be part of our next workshop coming up April 15th through the 17th in Texas. So call us today at 210-822-8201 or visit gatewaymen.com. Welcome to Pure Sex Radio, training men, educating women. Are you ready to get real and start living each day in purity? This dynamic program is designed to educate, encourage, and equip listeners with the tools necessary for living a life of sexual purity. Pure Sex Radio brings you the best in mobile talk radio. Listen to real life struggles, learn how to overcome lust, pornography, and sex addiction, and get serious about purity. Your hosts for Pure Sex Radio are Jonathan Doherty and Stephen Cervantes. Jonathan is the director of Be Broken Ministries and founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop for Men. Stephen is the founder of the Hope Counseling Center. Visit us online at puresexradio.com. And now, please welcome Jonathan and Stephen on Pure Sex Radio. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad to have you with us. My name is Jonathan. I'm here with Stephen. Stephen, how are you today? I'm blessed today. Thank you for asking. Good. It looks like the sun is shining outside, and so it's going to be a beautiful day, and we're glad that you've decided to join us on this uh, this broadcast today. You know, we do these uh, three-day workshops for men periodically uh, throughout the year and in different locations around the country, and they're they're a great uh, catalyst for helping men get unstuck. That means maybe you're in the first few days of working through uh, recovery issues and realizing you've got a significant problem with sexual brokenness, or maybe you've been on the journey for a while, but you've gotten you've gotten stuck. And the Gateway to Freedom three-day workshop for men is a great way to get unstuck. It can help you dig deeper into those core issues that need to be addressed in order that you can not only just uh, live um, abstinent from these behaviors, but more importantly, so that you can live free. We want you to we want to see men become whole, and that means more than just not doing certain behaviors. We want to see you fulfill your entire purpose and meaning in life. So, if you'd like to learn more about the Gateway to Freedom Workshop, just go to GatewayMen.com. So, Stephen. Uh, we're going to talk about some identity issues, right? Yes, I'm going to see if you can identify with this. Okay. So that's my attempt at humor. <laughs> so, you know, I've been thinking about what is driving our emotional insanity that rolls into sexual insanity. And uh, mm-hmm. everybody's looking for the answer to the question. And 
I think I'm getting close. I've been digging around for a while. <clears throat> and so you have to you have to think on two levels. And I'm going to stack my hands one on the other and show two levels to Jonathan. And on the upper level is recovery work. And then below recovery work is emotional work. And so if you always just do recovery work, you get some relief and some healing, but but it's when you do emotional work and recovery work, right? Recovery work is stay clean, set boundaries, submit, don't, all that. But emotional work is understanding the program, driving everything underneath mm-hmm. it. And, you know, it's funny because you and I have had these discussions about are you always in recovery or do you ever get set free? It's like if you're just doing recovery work and always in recovery, you're always in recovery, Right. But but we've met a number of men that are that have been released from this issue because they also did their emotional work and they put and their spiritual work and they put the whole package together. Mm-hmm. And so sure they do recover, they set boundaries and they're smart, but they're also practicing emotional health and spiritual health. And then you don't feel so much like I'm in recovery, I'm always an addict, you're an addict, I'm always an average an addict, recovery addicts go right. Make a comment about that. Yeah, and I because I think, and I also think there's you could look at it as layers or seasons, even in recovery. Because in the broadest sense, I think until we are on the other side of this life, we are quote unquote in the big picture of recovery. Well, that's a great way to look at it. I hadn't even thought about because in terms of the redemption that Christ has offered us from sin, from evil, from pride, yeah, we won't we won't experience the culmination of that until we are at home in, in heaven with Him. But in the smaller sense, when we're talking about addiction recovery, I, I do think there can be a season in which you are in in what we might call active recovery or even advanced recovery. But I do think there then is a time like you're talking about when we're when a person goes to that deeper level and they start working on the emotional stuff. Then I think there can be a point in which you get to a place where you experience a life of freedom that we would not say is tied to our normal understanding or, you know, the, the general understanding of recovery. Does that make sense? So it's kind of like there's a, there is a sense in which I think a person can get to a place where they are free in their experience of life. In other words, they're no longer bound to those compulsions. They're not bound to those, those addictive patterns, if that makes sense. But I think I just learned something. I think we're then, if you want to use it in the broadest sense, because if, if you're not recovering from sexual addiction, because you have some level of mastery and it's been years and you you don't have what was driving you before, there's still something else. You're in recovery from something, yeah. Like, from, for instance, and I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, in my own life, I, I don't feel you know tied any longer to my sexually addictive stuff. Um, but you know what? I've been in recovery my whole life from selfishness. So <laughs> I'm still in recovery that's from good. selfishness. So that's that's maybe what we're talking about here on the different layers. So so as I peel back the deeper layer of emotional work that has to be done, Jonathan and I have talked about this, and and uh, we talk about uh, sexual addiction as being an emotional detachment issue. And so when you look at the um, at the emotional system, you see a lot of detaching, hiding, secret, private, disconnecting behaviors. So attach, emotional detachment fits. But, but that I almost conceptualize that as a relational issue because you got to have somebody to detach from, right? Mm-hmm. 
So that's part of the relational, emotional part of what we're talking about. But, but just, but how do you grow the emotional system so that you can attach better and you can stay present? And so what is it that keeps us sort of stunted? And so we talk about it sometimes on the recovery level of go to group and, and be involved. And then I think on the emotional level, we talk about using your emotions to connect with people. And we're going to do the next show on emotions. I'm not going to talk too much about the specifics of that. But we're drilling down into what's driving your emotional system. And I think the the as you back it up, the issue becomes: What is your core identity? Do do you really like who you are? Who are you at your core? Because we talked in an earlier show about I have to do this and I have to be that, and I don't feel restful, but but I perform well and I'm a good showman. But but really, how do you see yourself? And are you at peace with yourself? Because some of us picked up bad programming from those who are around us uh, who are supposed to convey to us value and worth. You know, our mothers and fathers and and then siblings, relatives, and it sort of goes out from there. Other people that are healthy are supposed to remind us of our value and worth. And if nobody spoke good value and worth, then you might have bad programming, bad wording, bad thoughts. When as you're talking, the thing that I'm thinking here is that identity is not something that we conjure up within ourselves. I mean, you're talking, you mentioned multiple voices that essentially speak into your life, your identity. And so then the question I think becomes, who gets to be the voice that says who you are. You know, you're talking about, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but when you think about parents, when you think about experiences you have, when you think about all these things that essentially no one can stand honestly and say, my identity was completely shaped inwardly from within myself. That's right. A child can't do that. Identity is spoken into your life. It That's doesn't right. come up from within. It comes. It's 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 spoken from without. So identity is a very. In some ways, you got to realize that all of us, we we all have a broken identity. I mean, in our lives, at some point in time, we had a broken identity because not everybody spoke words of truth into our lives. Not everybody spoke words of kindness and love. Not everybody spoke words of affirmation and acceptance, and so mm-hmm. we didn't. We all had various degrees of of unhealthy voices speaking into our identity. And, and if you think about it, you're saying it very well. We were children. We didn't know. We had to learn language to know. We had to learn language. Our brain had to develop, and we had to be look around and be told things. We had to be told what our name was. Right, we had to be told, okay, well, this is your family. We had to be told this is what we eat and this is what we call. Everything is spoken into you in the beginning. And if you think about that, you had to be told who you are. As a child, you weren't two years old and go, "I'm totally self-aware. I know who I." You had to be told who you are, and that's why. I mean, think about how vital then even those first few years are as far as 
what is your environment? What is, what is being spoken into your life? And I'm not talking about just words. I'm talking about what is being impressed into your life based on environment and even surroundings and all of that. Yes. And so the question I would ask is when you sit alone quietly and think deeply, what do you say to yourself about your own value and worth? And so when you peel it back, it it falls initially on mom and dad. Mm -hmm. What did mom say? How did mom treat you? Was she glad to see you? Did she say you were a blessing? Or did she say, get out of my sight, get away, don't bother me? You know, how was dad in interacting with you? Did he say, you know why I have the reason, you know why they call me father, right? Because I'm a reflection of the heavenly father. And so I'm going to show you love because he has shown me love. I'm going to get the order right, son. And so I can speak to you the things that my heavenly father has told me as a grown man. I can speak to you as a boy so you'll know them. And that'll fuel your soul. Or was he angry or drinking or gone or working or, you know, I have time for you. You know, I've got to go do big, important things. That means not you. Anything else is big, important, but not you. Mm. Any thoughts or do I keep rolling? Keep going. This is good. Okay. So even other people like bullies and and mean kids or cousins or uncles, you know, everyone spoke into us um, some part of our identity. And it's like this identity fuels the whole emotional program. Everything begins with, are you valuable? Are you worthless? You know, are you someone that is spoken of with honor and esteem or we don't have time for you. We don't guys will tell us all the time, my dad never went to my games, you know? My dad was out with his friends all the time or well my dad didn't talk to me much. They mom and dad fought all the time and went to my room. I mean you hear all kinds of stories. Every one of those we're trying the best we can to come up with some conclusion about our worth and our value. And and think about it, when, when a child gets to be old enough to sort of begin to form their own voice, and I'm talking just, just vocally, I'm talking about just kind of their own voice, meaning they, they learn to start to how to, how to speak to themselves. Um, think about how that intermixes with the voices that they've been hearing. So, for instance, the dad that is absent and never went to the games, this, this kid, what that's spoken into him is... You're not that important to me. So when his own voice starts to to develop in his life, it's starting from that foundation of I am unimportant. And so think about that. Think about how that's going to affect all of his engagements with anyone, teacher, co- you know, peers, whatever else, is he's, he's starting from the foundation of the voices that were originally spoken into his life of his identity. Mm. So he, even the creation of his own voice internally, it has to start from that foundation of what was spoken into him. Does that make sense? So if he's been spoken into that you are unimportant, even as he develops his own voice, he's starting from that foundation of I am unimportant. So he might be, when he starts, let's say he's 14, 15, 16 years old, and he starts taking an interest in girls, he might be very either very afraid or overconfident because he's going, I'm unimportant, but I'm going to prove that I'm important. 
because mm. I'm going to go out here. Or I'm unimportant, so I'm not even going to approach these girls at all because I'm too scared. Does, you see what I'm yes. saying? So it, it wove in deep early, and it became foundational. That's right? why I say we cannot make the—it's a false assumption to think that our own voice internally is totally independent from the voices that were spoken into us because those early voices had the foundational shaping influence on our identity. Mm-hmm. And if they spoke words into us like you're unimportant or you are unvalued, you're unacceptable, then our own voice began from that foundation. To repeat mm-hmm. and to remember. And the ones that were our trainers that were supposed to tell us the truth about life, and they taught us how to not play in the street. They taught us how to walk and how to hold our spoon. They taught us all the very how to speak. They taught us the important words. They taught us how to talk to this part of their early training. So, so people hear this all the time. Go, oh, these guys are going to blame their parents. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't about blame at all. It's about do you know the culture that shaped you, and do you own it, and do you understand that's the beginning basis? And if there's tur- turmoil in the identity then there's turmoil in the emotional system, mm-hmm. right? If there's peace and clarity in your identity, then the whole system works well. So the other piece of this is is the whole idea of trauma. You know, people arguing all the time or drinking or fighting, and that's how you're raised. You're neglected or you get caught up in abuse. And there's a big push now about child abuse. Why? Because if you have bad identity at the start, it messes you up the rest of your life. It's mm-hmm. so significant, the early training, imprinting. So so isn't this interesting? We're having a sexual uh, um, integrity, sexual purity radio talk show, and we're talking about your identity because you got to go pretty deep inside yourself to get free from sexual bondage. And you can do some surface things that help, but if you are a tormented soul... And I'm going to read some statements. And if you believe these, you have to work at this level to get out of sexual addiction. Otherwise, you'll be good for a while, then you'll fall, then you'll be good for a while. Because this fuel is fueling the emotional system. And our sexuality becomes an escape from this. Because we've often said, hey, we're everything is perfect in fantasy. And we're heroes and giants and loved. And we're like little gods worshipped in our fantasies. And sometimes that's needed when our reality is so ugly. So what if someone said to you, you know, you're not enough. I wish you were more. You're not enough. You do the next one. Or if somebody said, uh, you know, you're a loser. You you can't win. You are going to lose every time. You know, you're you're a failure. You can't you can't make it. Mm. Or if someone said to you, you're defective. There's something wrong with you. Do you know that? You're a screw-up. That's who you are. Or if somebody says, you know, you're not like others. You don't fit in, or or even worse, you don't belong. Mm. So I'm sure we're touching some folks out there. So take good care of yourself if this kind of comes up in you. Reach out to a friend. Have a, a spiritual moment. Get your identity from the true source where we go. The one that made us can tell us our worth. And what if someone said to you, you're different. You know what? You're not like us. You're different. Or if somebody says, you know, you're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're, 
and it kind of getting back to that core idea, you're just not enough on whatever level. You you don't measure up. And you know what's interesting? I talk to people, and that's sort of the basic core fear is that I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not enough to make my husband happy. I'm not enough um, to to be approved of, to be successful. I'm not enough. But that's not what our Heavenly Father says, right? He says, you are more than enough. I just want you not better you, I want you, not tomorrow you, not not good, you know, presentation you, no, just you, I just not, want you. Not not you in comparison to your neighbor or in comparison to the person next to you. And that's, that's where I think in our culture, you know, in the United States, I think that's one of the reasons this is one of those core lies is because we are such a success-oriented culture, and I mean that in sort of kind of the capitalistic way in terms of, mm-hmm. you know, financially and just success-oriented, that everything in our culture, if you look at any marketing in our culture, it screams, you don't have enough. You know, you're not mm-hmm. enough until you have that car. You're not enough until you have this cheeseburger. You're not enough until you have that house. You know, so it's sort of ingrained into our cultural way of life that you've got to be in constant pursuit of more. And how easy then is that to translate to your identity in saying, I got to constantly be trying to be more, be more, be more. Yes. And hopefully what you're, if, if that's something that is really weighing on you, listener, then I hope right now that scales would fall off of you, that that mm. weight would be lifted off you are enough. You don't yes. have to you don't have to be any more. Before your heavenly father, he looks at everything about you and he says, "I want I want you." He says you're acceptable to me just as you are. Yes, and you don't have to add anything. You don't have to you don't have to do a thing to make yourself more so impressive. Just rest in these words of blessing. Let's do this for a minute or two. That's what the heavenly father would say. I love you just the way you are. I love you, just your quirkiness, your uniqueness, your specialness. I love you, period, end of sentence. And so can you receive that? Because that's what Jonathan was just saying, just as you are. And so the culture will say, well, you know, there's somebody with a bigger house, a nicer car, better job, better title, they have more. And then we trigger, maybe we're not worth as much. Maybe we're not as good. Or there are people that stand out and get the limelight, but that's not you. And and then we get triggered again. You know, maybe I'm not pretty enough, smart enough, strong enough. Maybe I'm not one of the ones that gets chosen. And yet our Father says, I choose you. Mm-hmm. But those around us may not be able to say that. And what if we let in our inner being the fact that we're chosen, that we're enough, and that our identity became defined by the maker, not by other humanity. And that, to me, is the key to what we're talking about here. You know, we mentioned about how we have voices that speak into our lives about our identity, and all of us, all of us, I don't care how good a a home you came from, all of us have a degree of healing that needs to happen to our sense of our false identity because as as loving as our parents may have been they were also broken and um and imperfect and so therefore even the good that they might have spoken into our lives we can pick up other things along the way 
None of us get through life unscathed. None of us get through life unbroken. I mean, there are things that there are things that hurt. There's traumas. There's you know different kinds of abuses and hurt. And so, the key now is what voice are you going to listen to that gets to speak and and heal that identity? And it only makes sense that our Maker. Our creator gets to speak that into our lives. And when you start looking, and friends, if you will go on this journey, if you will begin to look in the scriptures at what he says about you and what he thinks about you, you will be amazed Mm -hmm. because... Um, he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he's 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 truthful in the sense that hey, we we broke his law, we we um, you know offended his righteousness. But yet, you know what he says? He says, "While you were still dead in your trespasses and your sins, I sent what you needed. I gave you love. I showed mercy. I extended grace. And you know why? Because I love you." And that's it. Just put a period at the end of that. We want to say, because he loves me, why? Well, because I did this or did No, no, no. It's because he loves you, period. He absolutely loves you. And so allow his voice to begin to speak into your life and heal whatever places in your identity where you have carried shame and where you've had a false sense of your worth. That's good. So I'm going to make four points here. Number one, if you are in emotional turmoil with a bad identity, you need some escaping. So you'll, a male will use his, his sexuality, and, and we're men speaking for men, and so I know some females will do that, but they also do other things. If I need to escape into fantasy, because I gotta get away from my life, if I wanna numb myself, if I just want an orgasmic thrill, I wanna get away from the pain, a false identity, we, we males can turn to our sexuality. That's number one. Number two, if you have turmoil inside and distress, you don't have rest. And if you have a bad identity, you don't like you either. Nobody else likes you, and you don't like you. So it's hard to rest when you're hiding and faking and pretending and trying to be something when you got this emotional turmoil that's based on false identity. And then you develop a shameful dialogue, right? I'm stupid, I'm dumb. Someone else said it, then we say it. Someone spoke shame over you, now we continue the dialogue. I'm stupid, I'm dumb, I'm lazy, I'll never amount to much. I'm not like other people. And that that will be the ongoing tormenting piece and we've had talks already on the shame dialogue, but that's part of the inner turmoil and the, uh, that the present-day turmoil that's based on past turmoil. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you have false identity, it's, a, it's, it's imperative that you find a healthy, true identity. And I'm not talking about self-esteem. People say, well, go esteem yourself. And I'm going, are you kidding me? That's like lie to me. I know all my flaws. I know flaws that nobody else knows. I know my weaknesses, my mistakes. I know my embarrassments. I know. And I'm going to esteem me? Mm-hmm. No, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to be God esteemed to get your true identity. We are the chosen ones, covered by the sacrifice, bought with a price. And we're told we have a place that's being prepared for us. 
because we are the chosen ones who are his beloved. And see, I would even I would say with that, that's the that's the false notion of the idea of self-esteem is we spoke earlier in the broadcast about how your identity is spoken into your life. It doesn't come from within your life. And so that never changes. And the false, the false notion of self-esteem is saying, okay, yeah, well, when I was a kid, my identity was spoken into my life, but I'm an adult now, so I'm going to speak it into my life now. I'm going to make it, I'm going to just well it up from within me. And like what you were saying is, how does that work? <laughs> I mean, that's the, that's the biggest game of pretending you could possibly do. Is saying, oh, well, let me look at, you know, let me let me esteem myself. And like you said, I know where all the bodies are buried, you know? <laughs> so here's my close. I have a homework assignment. I want, if you have great identity, true identity, I want you to turn to two or three people close to you. Call a shut-in. Tell someone else in the household, anybody that's struggling, write a note. And tell them what their true identity, that they're loved and they're forgiven and they're chosen. Mm -hmm. And I would say, too, if you are struggling, if you really are struggling with your sense of worth and value, uh, we want to help you along this journey. We want to help you break free. It's not something that you snap your fingers and immediately you are this brand new, healthy person. But would you allow us to begin that process of speaking truth into your life, of speaking your worth into your life. And maybe maybe by allowing us to speak to you, you might begin to hear the Lord speaking to you and, and washing you with words of, of grace and truth. If you'd like to do that, please reach out and contact us. And until then, we look forward to seeing you back here again next week on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.